everyone, welcome to Humans. I'm Luke McCredden and this episode marks the Humans podcast's first birthday. It's, uh, it's incredible to think about and uh, I really want to say that this has been a, a more enjoyable journey than I could have even thought it would be and could have expected it to be. It's been an amazing 12 months so um, I, I hope you guys have had the opportunity to have a listen to some of the episodes and, and hopefully you can stick around and continue the journey with me because the Humans Podcast has got lots and lots of cool stuff coming up and uh, very much looking forward to chatting to some of the guests we've got lined up but one year hey so one year since we launched Humans Podcast in the very first episode so like I said it's been a uh, it's been, a, it's been a great 12 months. I've met some unbelievably amazing humans that I'm so grateful for. And uh, and the feedback from you guys over the last 12 months has been awesome. So thank you so much for all that. It's kept us going for sure. Um, but it has been an amazing journey. And, and all of that is because of the, that feedback that I spoke about from you guys and also the amazing guests that have given up their time to come and have a chat on the podcast the idea when I started this was for me to be honest with what I speak about, but also encourage that organic conversation that, you know, let's face it, it's a bit of a dying art. Uh, I love it. I really love it, engaging in conversation. It's not something that I realised how much I loved until probably this even really started. Um, it's been a real therapeutic sort of thing for me and um, and it's just an enjoyable thing to sit down with someone that at half of these episodes that I've done this first year I've not met the guests before and the other half I know them quite well so it's a real mix and the whole time and this is credit to all those guests it hasn't been awkward it hasn't been awkward one bit because we've all got that understanding that let's enjoy conversation and see where it goes this is very as any of my guests will know <laughs> This isn't scripted. This is very, very, very lowly scripted, if that makes sense. There's a few dot points sometimes that I might write down, but what I've loved so far about this whole experience is the organic conversation that I really wanted to achieve when I started out has just been happening time and time again, and, and I, I can't thank my guests enough. It's been just super. Having an actual conversation with someone getting to know someone, being open to their thoughts and appreciating their thoughts and ideas is exactly what this is about. And and it doesn't just have to be limited to this or a podcast or TV or any sort of medium that hosts this sort of thing. Do it in the real world. It is so satisfying, so fun. It's It's a real, as I mentioned, therapeutic sort of experience and I know it sounds crazy but I just think that we don't have those conversations anymore and as technology evolves we probably don't need to have those conversations anymore but I really think we're missing them and we're missing a lot of really key points in in society and sometimes when you do sit down and, and actually talk to someone it might not be someone that you think uh 
you know, has too much to offer in a conversation, you'll be blown away because everyone has something really interesting to say. You don't have to agree with everything that everyone says. There's a big point there. You don't have to, and that's your that's your right. Everyone's got their own thoughts and opinions and ideas of how things are and how things work. That's awesome. That's what being human's about. But being able to be open to listen to that and understand it and appreciate it, regardless if you agree with it or not, when you get to the end of that conversation, I guarantee you'll feel good. You'll feel good. And that might sound selfish, but I'll tell you what, I'm buzzing after every single conversation I have on this podcast. I am buzzing. It's just such a thrill. So once again, I've just been so lucky to have um, the ability to chat with all these guests over the last 12 months. And in this episode, I suppose I wanted to give you a a snippet of each of those conversations. It's just a minute or two. um, And it's just a bit of a tribute to to the first 12 months of the Humans podcast and also if you haven't had the opportunity to listen to them all, which I get, (laughs) um, hopefully this encourages you to find one that you might not have heard yet and want to hear more about. So as we go through, I'll introduce each each guest, each episode and and hopefully you get the opportunity to go back and and listen to that Uh, because every single one I, I really got a kick out of and I hope you do too. Before we get into it, uh, a huge thanks to, to you humans out there who have taken the time to listen. At the end of the day, most of these podcast episodes go for about an hour, so everyone's time poor, right? So I really appreciate every time someone says, oh, I listened to that episode with whoever that guest was and, and it was really good or I really liked this bit or that was interesting because that means you're taking time out of your own life to have a listen and that really means, means a lot. So thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate it. And finally, before we really get into this, I want to thank my wife, Ricky. And the reason is she's just the most incredible human in the entire world. And I don't get the opportunity to scream it from a rooftop or the top of a mountain very often. So this is my rooftop. This is my mountain. I just want to thank the most incredible human in the whole wide world. And that is my wife, Ricky. She's been so supportive and, uh, you know, it's you need support, <laughs> whatever you're doing. So to launch the podcast, get through 12 months with the amazing group of people that have been on it, she has been right there and, and pushing me to do it. So thank you so much. Righto, let's get into it. I hope you enjoy. Happy birthday to us. Have a piece of cake, have a beer, have a wine, do whatever you want to do and enjoy some highlights from the first 12 months of Humans. The very first episode of the Humans podcast, I was so fortunate to sit down with Michael Buschetta, uh, who's the owner and operator of Worksmith, which is a hospitality hub, a, cre- a workspace for hospitality industry. He also owns Bar Liberty, Capitano, and Falco Bakery. Um, he's just incredible in whatever he does in that space. Take the opportunity right now just to tip my hat and, and wish Michael and everyone in the hospitality industry all the best throughout this uh this 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 period because it is taking a hit that that whole scene. Um, so this is Michael, amazing guy with a great outlook on business and more importantly a great outlook on the people within the business. Mentally, it's really 
it's really difficult, obviously, doing those amount of hours, but then the stress involved in the work we do yep. is really high as well. Yeah. Uh, from a restaurant point of view oh, or bar sure. or, whatever, or cafe, whatever yeah. it is, it's just constantly you're, ha- you're, you're there to make other people happy and your happiness is gen- is usually not the thing that you're there for. So yeah. straight away, that's the, that's a huge issue. Yeah. And, um, you know, 10 years ago, bigger problem than what it is now. It's getting better. Is um, that because, because there's more awareness with business owners to acknowledge that their chefs or their yeah. baristas or whatever need a break, need to be able to yeah, definitely. People cool are, off? People are starting to understand that an employee's happiness is number one. Yep. And and I I have that uh, that thought with all of my businesses. If it's never about the customer now, it's if my employee is happy, then the customer will be happy. It's not the other way around. Yeah. So if you take that that idea then and, and apply it to the, the people in your team and, and make it's all about emotion and ensuring that they're happy day to day everything else will take care of itself yep. like really worrying about a customer's experience and to the detriment of your staff is is, is going to be a point where it all crashes yeah um and i from a sort of mental health perspective we've seen some really high profile uh, suicides mm. in the last couple of years in in our industry and that has definitely shined a bit more of a light on yep. on the industry and its issues. And there's a lot of sort of non for non for profit organisations that are doing really great things in in mental health uh, in the world and and especially in Australia as well. Yep. And it's definitely something that people are more com- more confident to talk about yep. um, with their peers as well yeah. when there is an issue. Episode two featured one of my favourite humans, Matt Peake is. A really interesting character and someone I really love. He's got such an interesting mind. I love the way he looks at life. He's become a really good friend of mine over the last few years. Um, but professionally, he's a, he's, a, he's a really clever writer and creative. Um, but just the conversations that you can have at any moment with Matt are just brilliant. And I'm so glad he came on the show and so thankful that we're able to have one of those conversations um so i hope you have had the time to listen to this here's a snippet matt peak if you look at anger disgust sadness fear surprise joy trust and anticipation was with the eight emotions that he was okay. talking about right and sometimes i think we forget that we're actually human and they're the, the mainly the eight emotions so if you tend to skew towards say anger and disgust and fear, then you're you're going to start to embody that mm. in your in your real life. And yep. I, I look at it like how we behave in a car. In a car, we say the most outlandish things to people in road rage, yeah. like what we say to old old ladies who cut you off. <laughs> and and it's it's the environment that promotes that behaviour. You wouldn't yep. you wouldn't do that in in when you're walking down the street. No. And I just think though that environment promotes that kind of similar oh, car sure. behavior yeah. so the ones of surprise joy trust anticipation aren't cultivated in that environment yeah so yeah those two things time and focus of emotion mm. what's that doing to to our society and the time that it's wasting uh, preventing evolution yeah um that yeah that's just something that sort of freaks me out a little yeah, bit. yeah for sure episode three i dragged in Another good friend of mine, Cameron White, who has just basically wrapped up his cricketing career in terms of playing, 
um, just prior to this being recorded. Um, so obviously we talk a lot about that, a lot about cricket, a lot about the sport in general. Um, we speak a lot about the pressures of professional sport too, including life balance, money, the family and all that sort of thing. We also became great mates because of our love for fishing, the outdoors, boating, all that sort of stuff. So we, we cover a lot of that. So episode three features Cameron White. Well, you I looked at that and thought, yeah. Well, I don't have to. I don't have to look too hard at the personal <laughs> stats, do they? And they're probably there's plenty with much better stats than me. So I try to steer away from them. But yeah, I can take a bit of satisfaction to knowing that I played in you know mm. six winning grand finals with, you yeah. know, with my teammates. So that was um, in Sheffield Shield cricket. That is, and um, along the uh, you know over the years played in you know some other you know wins. Um, you know the Big Bash win and recently and um, some other titles and trophies that we won with Creek Victoria so they're the yeah. things I you know, remember and you, yeah. know, you look back on that you know, yeah. winning's a good thing and you look forward to the you know the reunions and getting on the piss with the boys again so I'll look, <laughs> yes. I look forward to that when good. it sort of comes around and because we won a few times there'll be a few of them so that's yeah. good captaincy was something I you know no matter what the team was and from what from a very early age it sort of it sat pretty well with me from an on-field point of view so it's you know I've I've always thought that I had a pretty good idea of, you know, how to do things out in the field. So though I didn't find that difficult, if that made any sense. It was always, as I touched on earlier, the challenges were always, you know, learning about man management and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, like at the time you think, you know, you probably, you know, took a deep breath and, um, you know, thought about, you know, probably you think your mind switches straight to like, right, what team are we picking and who, you know, when's the next game and how long have I got to get ready for it sort mm. of thing. So, but then now, you know, finish your career and you look back and, you know, you, you're, it's like getting a bag of green cap and, you know, same sort of thing. No one can ever take that away from you. So, yeah, it'll be, uh, you know, looking back in uh, in a few years' time or however long, it just be, it's a nice thing to be able to think, yeah, you know, I did that one day. Episode four features my great friend, Archie Bolt, so I loved this episode. I still love this episode. Um, it was one that I was really looking forward to doing, and, and it and it really, it really was great to sit down and chat to Archie. Archie started Queer Town, which is a platform for the queer community, um, and you hear all about that in the full episode. You'll also hear quite a bit about Archie's life, their journey, the then and now type comparisons but just lots of chat about what they went through and continue to go through in a society that's changing but still has a long way to go this is Archie Bolter it's really interesting to reflect on now that I kind of have an awareness of gender diversity and my Mm. own kind of identity to be able to understand my experience growing up and I would say it was it was more just an ongoing awareness and feeling of discomfort and being misplaced and not understanding why. So, like, although I think sometimes my parents or family members may feel surprised because, you know, they saw someone who, you know, did thrive and did have friends and that kind of thing, but mm. that's also because you're socialised in a way to have friends mm. and to, you know, you're forced in a position where you go to a school and you have people around you and you need to, you know, sink or swim. So I was definitely, you know, I had some friends growing up. I did experience a lot of bullying through school, but it was just a constant feeling of being out of place and not understanding why and always feeling uncomfortable, whether it was kind of in my clothing or whether it was, yeah, who I was needed to hang out with or the types of behaviours I was expected to perform, whether that was playing sport or whether it was acting in a certain way with my body And when I hit puberty was when I really started to kind of think about who I was attracted to. Mm. 
I don't know, for some people it's much younger. And that was when I was like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm more attracted to guys than I am to girls. And so for me, I was like, oh, that must mean that I'm a gay man. And so I was, I put everything down to that. I was like, that explains why I'm more sensitive, why I'm more emotional, why I'm more feminine, why I'm more uncomfortable around. So you just threw people. all of that into that basket. Yes. So that you obviously were aware of uh, the different sexualities. Yes. So you, you straight away distinguished, I must be gay mm-hmm. and everything else. That's what that means. Yeah. Right. So like around, yeah, early It's not that black school. and white, is it? No. <laughs> no, exactly. So yeah, throughout high school, I kind of identified as gay and I came out in kind of later years um, and had a lot of challenges with that. But it was probably when I left school that I was like, became really hyper aware of the fact that that just wasn't quite everything. Just like, it, yeah. It wasn't just coming down to who I was attracted to, it was how I felt inside and how yeah. I was expressing myself and really importantly, how others were seeing me. And I mean, one example. How, how did how did you how could you distinguish how people were seeing you? Was it was it just a perception, or did you have a strong feeling that people were seeing you I differently? Su- I suppose it was I was aware that people weren't seeing the version of me that I felt inside. Right. They were seeing the boy, mm. and you know they were seeing what they expected me to be. And I think something that I reflect on now that I didn't. I couldn't articulate at the time was my discomfort around my birth name and growing up I always felt a bit uncomfortable with it throughout high school I would always use different nicknames and ask people to call me different nicknames and in the end I was just going by my initials and I then started exploring kind of a little bit of drag and more so gender bending it wasn't a character it was just like an opportunity to express different parts of my gender so I might go out at night with some friends in like makeup and wigs and heels and I chose the name Archibald um, as in Archibald because I felt that it was a bit androgynous I just something drew me to the name Archie and so I started to play with that a little bit and like very quickly realized that I was most comfortable as myself when I was dressed up as Archibald and I realised that when I would get home at night and had to take my, in quotation marks, drag off, that actually kind of felt like putting drag on when Mm. I was going back to this other person that everyone expected me to be. Episode 5, Cameron Ford, uh, writer, director, another really clever creative. Um, The reason I got Cameron Ford on was um, when I was introduced to the doco series and the feature film Bikes of Wrath, which he was the director and also starred in. Uh, an incredible, incredible viewing experience for anyone who wants to get their hands on Bikes of Wrath. And Look, again, you hear all about it. This whole episode is predominantly based around talking about Bikes of Wrath, so please do us a favour and go and find it somewhere, watch it. You will enjoy it. I'm just putting it out there. Anyway, this was a great chat. Had lots of fun. Cameron Ford. Uh, 100% unplanned adventure. You have no idea who you're going to meet, where you're going to end up each night. Mm. And, you know, that's proof, not that we have really needed to prove it, but that's yeah. proof that none of this is staged or, or planned. And, no. and the things that happen internally amongst the group, obviously, with yep. some trip-threatening injuries yep. and all those sorts of things, it, it's, you know, it's it's just what happened. And yeah. the best thing that you can do as a filmmaker and as a storyteller is to capture everything that happens. Yeah. Um, 
and then in the edit room work out what actually belongs mm. and, and what, you know, is interesting but not as interesting as the other stuff. And if there was a lot of negativity or a lot of hate or a lot of racism along that journey, it's not that we would have cut it out. We just didn't see it. We didn't experience yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's. Yeah. I think there's some, not not like backlash over the film, but some people are like it's a little bit too nice at times and it's like, well, it still does show you know, the problems that exist in America yeah. quite loudly and quite clearly. But I would also say that, you know, if, if you're on the road for 30 days and these are the encounters that you're having, mm. there is some truth to that. And it was yeah. certainly our truth. You know, Charlie and I speak a lot to this at the Q&As that we do, but particularly around stereotypes, Yep, um, we are travelling through a pretty heavy, heavily stereotyped part of America. Sure. From Oklahoma to California, you know, the American South, the Dust Bowl yep. um, region, the Bible Belt. Uh, these are parts of America that are red states, um, heavily red states. Yeah. And, you know, through so many of the screenings that we've done in America in the more affluent states and the blue states, they, you know, we meet people in the foyer afterwards that had said to us and have said to us, sorry, that, you know, before I watched this film, I had written off those parts of my own country. Wow. I'd just forgotten about them and given up on them. And this film shows that there's true kindness and like-mindedness and generosity in these places that I just didn't think existed. Episode 6, and I was absolutely thrilled to drag in Dean Thomas. Dino, as most people who listen to Brecky Radio in Melbourne, uh, Nova 100 to be exact, he anchors and does an unbelievable job. This guy is just full of laughs. Uh, as soon as he walked into the studio, I just couldn't help but smile. He is just one of those humans. Um, super, super clever, really creative guy, um, and has, you know, put together some really really great stuff in terms of some online content we talk a lot about that through this episode but um as well as the whole radio journey i love radio i love all that stuff so it was great to chat to him about all that so this is dean thomas thank you for the cheesels off you, the top. one mean, of the easiest riders i've ever had to fill uh it's i can't budge on this rider no uh, if the cheesels weren't here i wouldn't be here i oh, know so i appreciate i was warned i appreciate you playing ball yeah yeah, yeah. someone said to me if you any chance to speak to Dino? Yeah, yeah. You better have fucking cheesels. Yeah, if you don't have cheesels, then maybe take a hike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So get in there. Yeah, well, thanks. Do not even that. hesitate. Uh, <laughs> that's great. That sounds great through the headphones. You know, some people are turned on by <laughs> ASMR. Yeah. That's a thing. Let's change the direction of this yeah. podcast. <laughs> uh, we had this idea. I don't know. I think I don't know who came up with it, but it's basically me in an eight-year-old kid's body uh, navigating the world, and it's loosely based on me because I always felt like. I was trying to be on level with the adults around me. When you were a kid. Yeah. Really? Like it made no sense. I was delusional. I was a, <laughs> I was a fuckwit little kid. <laughs> but I just felt like I was, should have been communicating with the adults on their level and it cool. just made no sense. And so, I, I was always that little oddball little... Uh, oddball's dumb to describe yourself like that. But I, I don't... Half the time I'd say stuff in primary school and I don't think the teacher was expecting it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, like, well, that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> So that so then uh, turning that into a cat well a character based yeah. on yourself but turning that into a program yeah that's so fun six short internet style bits uh, they've all got themes we don't want to make it preachy or anything but we just want to make it a little bit about my life growing up in like a low socio economic area and um, 
experiences with that, and it's just cool. It's just a little little ball of light. Yeah, because yeah. I saw I've seen one that's out. Is it just the one that's been yeah, done? That's a one, yeah, that's a full one we made. Two dogs rooting. Yeah, yeah. Mate, come on. <laughs> You've got angst about not having a father. Yeah. Bam! Two dogs rooting. <laughs> Misdirection. Once again, brilliant. It's not going anywhere. It doesn't need to. No, it doesn't need Fantastic. to. Fantastic. And it's uh, put it to. I liken it to the way making stuff. Uh, I liken it to Franco Cozzo. It's just how he makes people feel, and mm. it's more about his vibe and his personality rather than trying to make topical gags and stuff yeah. like that. Episode seven, Ethan Jenkins, another fantastic human. I keep saying they're a great human. Every single person that was on this 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 twelve month journey of humans was a fantastic human. Ethan's um, a great guy. We're um, very close. Um, basically family, as it turns out. We um he is a really, again, a clever guy, author, musician, um, created and released the book The Cute Thesaurus, which is out and you can find anywhere. We talk a lot about that through the episode. Heaps of music banter in this one. This was just a really, really fun chat. So this one is Ethan Jenkins. Well, so it was I, Like you were actually playing I, live. Like I, on I, was stage. Singing, I was singing Valerie, so I only get two songs that yeah. I sing, basically, in the whole <laughs> three sets that we play. And yeah. This was one of them. And Nick just goes... Lies down in the corner almost. He's just like propped up, still playing guitar in time. Everything's great. <laughs> and then it gets towards the end and he just stands back up. And then I think someone went down to sit with him and yeah. he just stands back up and walks up and then wow. <laughs> off he goes again. Why not? That's the thing. There's a lot of fun in being a cover yeah. band. I see, yeah, I see a lot of mates that do original music that I love, mm. like love going out to see their gigs. And it's such a, I don't know, it seems like such a pure art form to write these stories and songs and then perform them, but we're just taking all the best songs that have already been written and just putting our own spin on it, <laughs> which is like a bluegrass sort of yeah. Mumford and Son style. Based on the fact that it's probably got the most plays of me belting it out in the car on the mm. way home from a gig, probably as well, Yeah, is, and to a gig, Don't Stop Me Now by Queen. Wow, what a song. It's a great song. I nearly said a Queen song because Bohemian Rhapsody is another one of those just epic tracks. That it you is an epic. Imagine writing that. But yeah, Don't Stop Me Now. And would you be fronting that? Song? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd be Freddie. Episode nine features my good friend Lee Rayner, who has spent the best part of his whole life on TV. He's hosted TV and radio uh, as a fisherman, a recreational angler. He started out under the... Um, as a young, quite a young guy on the on Rex Hunt's show back in the day um, and has just non-stop fished the world, uh, Australia particularly, and, and, and brought us some of the great viewing experiences for anyone who's into the outdoors. Um, but, you know, we, we had a really good chat about some of the challenges around making television and, and the longevity and how to stay in it. So this one is with Lee Rayner. Does that get frustrating? It, it does, yeah. Look, it does, but it's part of your job. Yeah. You know, and I always say to people, go, let me break it down for you really simply. When everything's going well and you have a great day, it is the best job mm. in the world. When stuff goes bad, it is like any job. Mm. You know, and there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of stress. I wouldn't swap it for the world, Luke. Yeah. I would not swap it for the world. The people I've met, the places I've been, the things yeah. I've done, I could never swap. You sort of go, well, I've been doing it for a long time and that's probably one thing I do sort of go, a lot of people, a lot of these young guys, you see they come and they go yep. and that's probably yeah. probably this world. It's moving yeah. so fast now. You yeah. know? Um, 
I like to think that there's a few of us out there. We've sort of stood our test of time. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Didn't see how, and, and I've been fortunate to do what I've done. People go, how would you get into it? Yeah. And you go, look, there's a lot of good luck, good management, a lot of hard work, yeah, yeah, yeah. but a, a lot of good luck and good management and just yep. being in the right place at the right time. Yeah. It, like grasping at opportunities that are there. And, mm. and that's how it started for me, really. Episode 10, wowee, where do I start with this one? John Gulzari, I was introduced to um, by a friend of mine and I just am so, so grateful. Um, it, it, this guy is incredible, an amazing human with an incredible story of, of survival but also drive and passion and he's one of the most passionate Australians I've ever met. Um, uh, Afghani refugee, came here on a boat, had no idea what Australia was um, you know, it, it's just a very raw and emotional conversation. I, I can't thank John enough. Um, there were moments we had to, to stop because it got quite emotional and, and I really, really appreciate John opening up the way he did. I just really wish everyone can go and listen to this full episode and share it with as many people as you can because we need to hear from, from John Gulzari. Hazaras have only three options in Afghanistan. Either you convert and follow us or become a very good Muslim and uh, follow our idea or leave the country peacefully. So even we want to kill you along the way, so that's fine. Or, or prepare to die. Hazaras have no options. If they go to the sky, we pull them from the lake. If they go to the grave uh, in the ground, we'll pull them from their hair. So he even said that Uzbek, they have neighboring country called Uzbekistan, they can go there. Tajik, they can go to their country of origin, which is Tajikistan. Mm-hmm. But Hazaras have no other parent country, so they will go in Goristan, which means graveyard. So we went from Jakarta to sort of uh, to Bali, from there to Lombok. I know okay. people go for a holiday, but yeah. it was no holiday <laughs> no. for me. Yeah. No, I yeah, wouldn't have been. scary. Yep. So when you, when you uh, is there... Um, I suppose the idea of, or is the idea to leave there to come to Australia? Like, is that a plan, or for, and, and is that something you're aware of as a 17-year-old going from hideout to hideout? Yeah, sure. It was never part of the plan. We never know where Australia is. Yep. Before that, uh, I never knew where Australia is. Right. And I didn't know about this country, country called Australia. I didn't know there's kangaroos. I didn't know there's opera house. I didn't know nothing. Mm. Because the village that I came from, we don't have TV, we don't have internet, mm. we don't have water supplies, we don't have radios, we yep. don't have newspapers, nothing. Yep. How would I know? Yeah. Um, so it's part of the people smugglers that they know where to take these people okay. for safety. Yep. So taking collecting a large sum of money, mm. in excess of like four thousand US dollars or five thousand. Yep. We just says take us to. An, another country which yep. is safe which is going to accept us there to be living peacefully that's mm. it after I left a year or two uh, I helped my family to move across the border so I knew that they are safe because they can't live in Afghanistan anymore yep. because of the history of violence that happened uh, persecution of my people that happened mm. and people day in day out they've been slaughtered and thrown in the street and nobody cares mm. Unfortunately, uh, like around 2001, after soon I left, my father went missing and he disappeared. We never heard from him since then. Possibly he's dead. 
so it's 19 years, otherwise he would have come. He never turned up. We never know where he is. Episode 11, the magnificent Jackie White. Um, superhuman, super mum. Uh, Jackie is just brilliant. Um, a really enjoyable chat with Jackie, um, wife of Cameron White, who featured earlier in the series. Jackie and I chat a lot about the self-care save slogan, which she's been a big part of with Mums Who Wine and various organisations and um, the importance of self-care. And, and and it's not just a slogan. It's a really important thing to remember. But this one's Jackie White. I think it – I like to think it has. Um, I think – you know, I think I've always been, or I like to think I've been a fairly empathetic person, um, but I think my empathy has been developed significantly by my involvement with Mums Who Wine. You mm. know, just I've really, I, I really think taking an interest in other people um, and, you know, caring, I think, you know, caring a lot more. I've come from, you know, a corporate background where I think it's like, you know, all about like, like get in and do the job and, you know, whereas, and, and I've always been, you know, like I said, always been social, but yeah. I think, you know, taking the time to listen to people's stories, yep. which is definitely what you're all about as well about. Um, on the Humans podcast. So I think it really helps to, you know, just sort of, it puts everything in perspective totally. and, you know, having um, a pretty big change for, you know, in our lives, like me not going back to work as yep. a lawyer at the moment and still being on maternity leave and Cam, you know, having a bit of a transition in his cricketing life. So yep. it has been a bit of a roller coaster, but yeah. I think that's all been assisted by, yeah. you know, the, the what I've sort of gained from yeah. being in this environment. Do you, find- you know, I think that that is, you know, true. Your relationship with your wife and mine with my husband, I think, is the most important yeah. thing because, um, you know, you you spend so much time, and you can see how it happens as couples separate because they they become totally engrossed in their children's yep. life and work, and time just flies by, and then all of a sudden the kids are leaving home, and you're like, oh, oh you know, who are yeah. you again? Yeah. Like, yeah. And so, you know, not only you know self care for yourself, but self care as a couple. Episode twelve, Rob Metelli. Man, I got to say, I wasn't really expecting this episode to go where it did. I, I spoke to Rob. Um, not long before we recorded it, um, he was an old, well, is an old friend of mine who we worked together for a long time, really close friend, but we probably haven't seen each other prior to this episode for about 15 years. Uh, Rob sort of mentioned he had a bit of stuff he, he would like to bring up on the, on the, on the podcast and thought it might have been important, an important message. So when he came in and we started chatting, yeah, it caught, it's fair to say it caught me off guard. But I am just so unbelievably grateful for Rob and for Rob coming in and talking about it. This is a discussion around his 18-year gambling addiction. Um, we get deep. We get really deep in it. And I just can't respect Rob more for his openness. And I, and, and I should say too, Rob has actually contacted me since and he's actually had a couple of people contact him through social channels they're actually going through similar issues um, and didn't really know where to go and didn't know what to do. But after hearing the episode, reached out to Rob, which, I mean, that, you know, that was that was an amazing thing to hear. And um, But it's all about Rob, um, and I'm just so, so thankful. So this is Rob Metelli. And back then, we were on, what, 600 bucks a week? Oh, yeah, max. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, um... I thought, wow, how good's that? So the next week I went down there and threw in what 
200 bucks or something. Ended up losing it. And that's when it all started, mate, age of 18. Uh, by the way, my name's Rob, and I am a compulsive gambler, uh, for anyone that's listening. Um, I am 87 days no gamble at the moment, which is good. Wow. I go to Gamblers Anonymous um, in Watsonia. And, yeah, it's probably the most hardest addiction to get rid of, to be honest. Yeah, so up from 18 up until... 85 or six days ago. I reckon I've dropped about a quarter of a million dollars. Far out. Yeah. And this is what it's like. It's like feeding, you know, a crack addiction or whatever addiction you've got, chocolate, you know, yeah. sex, um, whatever. Um, you're, you, you're trying to feed it and mm. you're chasing that win. Mm. Well, so you think. You're really mm. chasing the loss because you're trying to make your money back. Yeah. So that 200 became 600. Was was it instant though? You talked about when you went in back into the pub, dropped a couple of hundred and lost it. Yeah. Was it for you? And I, I don't know, maybe you, you can't remember it, but was that, fuck, I need to get that back instant? Or was it you went home and went, ah, oh, fuck, that was shit. Me but, per- but then later yeah. you got the bug again? Yeah, no, nah, me personally you? was straight away, I've got to get that money back. So the next week I went back in with another 200, dropped that and pulled out another four. And... That obviously didn't, because this is the thing, you know. It's easy to sit here and think, "All right, you got your money back. Go home and have lunch." But that just spurred it on, that, or yeah, man. yeah, it just went on and on. And so with that comes, you know, you're not sleeping because you're stressing about, "Oh, I miss me, uh, you know, me." And at that stage, I had a mortgage already, mm. or at 21 or 22, and so I'd missed the payment, and I thought, "Oh." Got get, to get it back. Get that money back. And it just snowballed. Yeah. And it just kept going and going and going. And then it led from that to poker, going to the CAS. Yeah. Um, not not all the time, but yeah. Once well, the majority it, of it was the machines. Yeah. 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 Episode 13, Jezza Williams. I mean, holy hell. This episode could have gone for five hours, man. This was this was incredible. This guy, who's a New Zealand thrill seeker, um, he's, a, he's an adventurer, a traveller, um, and just an absolute blast. I don't think I've had a more high-octane chat on this podcast, or maybe ever. Um, Jez's energy is absolutely incredible and contagious. You, I just walked away from that feeling like I could climb any mountain. Um he has an amazing, is an amazing character with a million stories, a million stories. He's travelled the world uh, as an adventurer. An accident overseas did change his life physically forever, but it didn't change his attitude. And I really urge people to, to jump in and, and listen to this episode in full. But here's a snippet from Jezza Williams. Reality, I don't know, your reality might be boring. Mine's pretty entertaining. I know, like I heard something the other day, it was like... um. You know, you spend most of your life inside your head, so you might as well make it a bloody good place to be. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's pretty well said. I sit here, and it's fantastic, because nobody listening to this actually knows what I look like. So (laughs) I'm an obese... um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm an obese... uh, Am I allowed to say that? I am. You can say whatever you want. Oh, really? Okay, so... (laughs) 
So I'm in a base um, guy that likes to wear dresses, mm. and um, I'm sitting here <laughs> with this podcast. I'm not actually. I'm a, I'm actually a C5 tetraplegic. If, but it's a label. It's so stupid. My name's Jezza, you mm. know, yeah, and right. um, yeah. I'm 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 just an adventurer. I like to push my limits to the max, and I I've always pushed my limits to the max. You know, ever since I've been a kid. Yeah. Um, and prior to what I'll tell you about soon, I had a little bit of an incident a few years ago. Prior to that, nobody made movies on me. And I was pushing my limits mm. hardcore. Mm. Most people just called me stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but now they call me inspirational, what was which it? is really funny. You know, I've been, um, I, I like to, to read here. And um, I've been, well, actually, I've been lazy reading lately. The mm. audiobooks are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was listening to this audiobook, and it's, it's about consciousness. And um, so there's a certain type of person. So let's say, we'll, we'll say four people, and we're all walking through the, the forest, and we come across a brook. You know, a brook's like a little creek. Yep. So first person will just won't even acknowledge the brook and he'll just run straight across it. Nobody's going to look at the rocks, nobody's going to look at the water. They're all looking at the inside of their brain. The second person comes up, they look at the brook, and then they an- analyse it. They say, okay, this is going to be a little bit slippery, this is going to be a little bit gnarly, and they take their time. The third person comes up and they're like a little bit apprehensive. They look at all the safety side of it yeah. and they're like, they overthink it and it's really difficult for them. Yep. And then they go across. The fourth person comes up and looks at it and goes, fuck this, I'm going home. Right. The first person that's come across will probably jump back across, go, come on, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give you a hand. Yeah. Let's rock and roll. Yeah. So, and that is a mindset that's brought, been brought into us. Whether that's from nature or nurture, yeah. um, it, you have to ask a psychologist, yeah? But yeah. I'm no psychologist. Yeah. But I, I thought that was a really good... That's a, that's a great example. example. So you're, you're number one. You're the first person? Yeah, I, I probably think I'm the yeah. first person, yeah. Episode 14, Laura Waters, another adventurer who is just inspirational. Laura released her book not long prior to the recording of this podcast um, called Bewildered. Basically, a, a um, journal type of book, um, which which is basically the story of her journey, which changed her life. And as she'll say in this podcast episode, changed her life forever for the good. Um, yeah, she, Laura's a superhuman. Um, this journey took the anxieties of the corporate life and she kicked them out the window as she embarked on an unbelievably epic journey. And, you know, the thing that I took away from this, it, it really proves that nature can heal. This is Laura Waters. I basically hiked from one end of New Zealand to the other. It's a 3,000-kilometre journey that took five months and it fundamentally changed the course of my life. Mm. Um, I wasn't in a happy place before I started. Um, just come out of a unhealthy relationship and <clears throat> was really suffering from anxiety and not coping with all of the um, stresses and impacts of being in the city, the constant stimulation. So this trip um, really came at a time for me where I really needed to get out and just simplify things. And walking in nature for five months did that for me. It just stripped away all of the noise in my life. And, yep. and yeah, by the end of it, I was a changed woman. Yeah. <laughs> when I was out there, I just had one bag of belongings, one outfit, 
I had no props, no possessions, no job, no relationships that defined me. Anything that made me me yeah. just fell away. And in yeah. that space, nature sort of came in a bit like a a tuning fork and sort of, you know, just just got me tuned into a more harmonious sort of, um, I don't know, vibe, I guess. And then uh, I just sort of took a deep breath and just, you know, when everything's quiet, your inner voice gets louder. Mm. And then I just sort of got a lot of clarity about who I was and what I wanted in life. And yep. that, that helped me, you know, seize those things when I came back. Daniel Boone once said, I was, I've never been lost, but I was once bewildered for three days. Right. And it's kind of a, a play on, you know, being lost, but not really lost. Yep. Because, yeah, I was kind of lost as a person. Yeah. Um, and then found my way. Yeah. And, yeah. and also a, a kind of a reference to being rewilded. Yep. Um, so I was sort of, yeah, made wild again out of that trip. Episode 15 with Dave Zwolenski, Dave Z. Uh, producer, writer, podcaster, and just fantastic energy in this guy. So much fun. Really enjoyed this chat. Um, his real passion for creation, he's always creating, doing stuff, um, whether it's filming or podcast producing or whatever. Uh, as you'll hear in this promo clip too, he's got, he, he tells a great story, and I think that's a really good part of these conversations that we have, the storytelling uh and the, and the people that are telling stories. This is a great one. Dave Swalensky. Anyway, so I was tasked with the job of doing it and I was really excited. I was like, great, I want to learn about fishing. I don't know about fishing. It's six-part series, all this stuff. And then it got to, you guys had flown in on Sunday or the other boys had flown in. Sunday night, I had severe food poisoning. Really? I was up to about four or five in the morning. Oh, shit. So when I rocked, but I was like, I can't, you guys have flown in. We're going to make this thing. So when I rocked up at I night, I that. felt like death. Wow. And I, was, I saw a few people and I was like, just don't. I said, I'm just going to not tell the boys because that'll set a real weird tone. Just wow. met me. And I reckon I had three hours sleep. It was probably the worst nights I've ever had. And I was just like, hey, guys, how's it going? I'm so I happy. kept my shit together. As oh soon God. as you left, I just crashed. I went home and I was just like, oh, I'm out. And the next day I was way better. And I was yeah. like, I wonder if they noticed a difference. <laughs> So I've not. I've done worse than not hit record on something. Friend of mine was getting married. <laughs> so he was, he was getting married and he asked me to film it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, no. yeah, no worries, I'll film it. Like, and, and I wasn't I wasn't just like, no worries. I'm like, it'll be my honour to yeah. film it. You know, because he was like, we take photos and I don't photos, but I'll film it. So we go to this wedding and it's the most beautiful wedding and I'm filming it on this little black magic camera. And I was like gorgeous. And I'm, I'm like, you know, getting those beautiful shots and, and, and it's like, it was like I filmed at the after party or what do they call it, the reception and, and everything, got this amazing stuff. And about three weeks later, I'm at a shoot and I've got the black magic camera and I'm about to film and I'm like, yeah, I've taken the footage off. <gasps> and I just go, hit record, I hit um, delete, delete all format. <sighs> and then I'm just like, I remember like as I'm filming stuff going like, did I take it off? Oh, shit. I'm like, oh, no, yeah, I must have, surely. Like that's a, that would not, I would not do that. You know, this is probably like, this is about six years ago, right? And I get back to the office where I, or, or to where my hard drives are and I start plugging hard drives in. I'm looking, wedding footage, nothing. Network, nothing. Next one, next one, next one. And I'm like, oh my God, I don't remember oh, taking it off. And I'm just, I just start to fall into this pit of despair. And then I start Googling like recovery software, Googling, Googling, surely there's somewhere recovery, recovery, recovery. And like there's threads saying like, you can try this, you can try that, try that. I try it all. And then I finally get to a thread, a forum that says, if you have deleted on a black magic camera, 
because of the way a black magic is built, that footage gone forever. <gasps> it's like hard bake. Oh. It's like most cameras have like a safety thing, not this one. Episode 16, Merv Hughes. Um, cricket legend, reality TV star, fishing TV host. We've all seen him and heard from him, but this chat broke down a few barriers actually. And and, and again, I'm really grateful for Merv coming in. We, um, we sort of said off the top before we started rolling that, you know, no real limits. If you want to go somewhere, go there and... And don't feel like you have to either. Um, but but Merv really opened up and he was quite happy to chat about all sorts of stuff. He's a real gentleman um, and a real incredible talent for storytelling. Um, and he really enjoys a laugh. God, this was fun. This is Merv Hughes. Obviously, there's a common goal. Yeah. Um, so everyone loves the cricket. Yeah. And then you have the different levels of, of the drinking. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but there's a fairly <laughs> consistent level of bullshit. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> you don't you don't hear of the, the times that the Australian cricket team have a massive party. Got loose. Yeah. Like we after after every test match, if you won it, yeah. if you if you didn't drink your it was frowned upon. Yeah. You know, what's what's wrong with you? What's <laughs> what's happening? But mate, you the the old motto was play hard, um and play to win, and yep. when we win, we party hard. Yeah. But then we, we get focused for the, the next game. It wasn't as though, because you can't play a top-line sport. I think the image of the 80s, 70s, 80s, and into the, the 90s is of a, a beer-drinking culture. Yeah. If you're drinking all the time and not doing the work and not performing, yeah. you're not playing at you the, the highest there. level. Yeah. Yeah. Reality star, hey? Oh. What's next? Mate. Dancing with the stars? Nah, dancing <laughs> with the stars. Hey. I've got two strict rules in life. Yeah. SBA, DFD. So Strictly beer only. Yeah. And don't fucking dance. <laughs> so there is no way known. I'm Have you been known. asked? Yes. Have you? Yeah. Dan- what's what's one on seven? Oh, I don't know. Is that Strictly, it? Dan- oh, is there two? Is there, is there's it? two. There's Dancing with the Stars. Yeah. And there's something there's, else. Yeah. yeah. So I think Dancing with the Stars is the old mate. I don't know. But I got asked the first year to do it. I said to the manager, nah. Yeah. Uh, so I went through it and I was, I was with. Four mates in Northern Territory. And he just went through the money. I said, nah, listen, not. And the boys were saying, what's going on? I said, what, what, the pay structure. Went through the pay structure. And they, oh, you good money. You got to do that. <laughs> One bloke sitting there with his beard just looked at me and said, what do you have to do? Ballroom dancing. <laughs> ah! <laughs> they were on the floor rolling around. I just said, mate, there is no way. Now, if, if you could dance, yeah, you'd do it. So if, if I had some rhythm and yeah. you're asked, you think, yeah, it's like going on a singing show. Yeah. yeah. Mate, yeah. I wouldn't subject people to my voice. Like, yeah. I, you, like if I sing in the shower, I get sick of it. Like, <laughs> it's just no good. Yeah. Episode 17 with Andrew Hart, a really good friend of mine. He's another TV show host, another fishing TV show host. But more importantly, he's just a great fella. Always entertaining, always a good time with Andrew. Um, and he's very clever when it comes to the whole TV thing too. So we chat about everything through this full episode. Um, so here's a snippet with Andrew Hart. I think when I was down there with you last, we had a real crack at some Tassie Pino from memory. I suspect so, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's good stuff. It's what you do when you're in Tassie. You drink the local stuff. When we go away on the show, we always make a rule that we have to drink the local um, wine or the local beer, so it's it's an adventure. You never know what you're going to get. So when you are travelling on with the show, do you feel like you have a pretty good idea of where the better wines come from? Do you, do you <laughs> <No>. walk? Away? <laughs> <laughs> it's not a it's not a thing about wines. Um, 
I generally let let our cameraman, uh, the old the old cameraman Mike. He generally chooses the wine because he's a mm. soak from way back. Yeah, right. Um, but I look. I'm of the opinion these days, if you if you're happy to pay fifteen or twenty bucks for a bottle of wine in the bottle shop, yeah, um, it's not going to be a bad drop. You know, yeah. I just don't. Maybe it's just me and that I like all booze, but um, <laughs> but it's. I just you think if you if you buy what you like and you and you spend sort of fifteen bucks or more, um, you struggle to find a bad wine these days. I reckon. Killed our drone yesterday, which was a bit of a disappointment. Um, <laughs> How did you do it? Oh, uh, look, Nick Nick did it, which is the only <laughs> saving grace. Um, went we were we were out uh, trying to catch a mako shark from a wave runner. So I was on a wave runner jet ski, uh, yeah, right. and Nick was in the boat and. Mm. Um, we were we were just sort of sitting out there on the continental shelf, burling up for a shark. Just the two of us, keeping social distancing rules and everything, uh, of course, you know, in check. And yep. so we didn't have a cameraman. So Nick was the cameraman, um, and saw some whales. So I zipped over there in the in the wave runner to, to sort of have a look at them. And yeah. uh, and Nick thought, well, he'll stay burling for the shark and also put the drone up. Went to launch the drone, and it's um. They don't like taking off from a moving sort of platform. So there was it was quite calm, but the boat's still sort of going up and down. And it, it just didn't really take off properly and it it, it, it sort of faltered and then it, it clipped the side of the boat and it fell in the water. And uh, although I didn't see it, I'm, I'm informed that it sunk like a brick. Episode 18, Jimmy Rees. Um, any parents out there with young kids uh, over the last 10 years will know Jimmy Rees, but will probably know him as Jimmy Giggle. You'll recognise his voice, no doubt about it. This guy is absolutely fantastic. Uh, just had an absolute blast chatting to Jimmy. Um, a real creative. Um, you know, he's on the back of a fantastic career. He's finished up with the whole Jimmy Giggle, Giggle and Hoot thing, but, man, it, this guy's got some amazing stuff coming, so keep an eye out. Um you know, I think every parent is is grateful for Jimmy Giggle in some way or another for keeping their kids occupied while we get stuff done. Uh, but this was a really enjoyable chat and a really a really good insight into how it all came about for Jimmy. So, Jimmy Rees. So, um, anyway, I found this audition from the ABC. It was actually audition for ABC Three, yeah, um, which is that that channel for older older kids, not preschool age, um, mm. school age kids. And um, yeah, I went through that process, which was send away a video of yourself. You had to self-tape yourself doing something. You know, they had some guidelines. I got through that to a short list. There was five and a half thousand people who sent around, sent in a video nationwide. I got shortlisted in Victoria. So the producers flew down to Melbourne, did a couple of days of of, um, some more stuff. There was probably 35 people. So I can imagine there was probably a couple of hundred people around. They saw around the nation. And then the phone didn't ring from the casting director. And, uh, and I was like, oh, well, I, I didn't know what the, like, the etiquette was. So I called her, which I'm not supposed to do. But I called her, I'm like, did I get it? Did I not? And they're like, it's a we'll call you situation. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, okay, anyway. But I don't know if I, if I prompted her to think of me for this other. Because just at that time, Giggle and Hoot were starting up at the same time. They were a production out of Sydney. They were just auditioning locally. And they shared the same, some of the same staff who were working on, like the EP of the uh, Me On 3 campaign was working on Giggle and Hoot as well. Like she was the EP of both. Right. And um, so the, I think they, the production at Giggle and Hoot went, please, can we just, you've seen five and a half thousand videos. Can you just send us a couple that we can see for our production? Anyway, I was one of those. So they flew me up to Sydney, did a few auditions and I, and I got the job. Um, but the, in terms of the character, 
the character was just a, an idea on paper and they wanted a personality to fill the role and they mm. found me as that personality so I could just bring whatever I could I wanted to the character really with some guidance obviously but yeah, yeah. it evolved it evolved into more me than it did what was on the paper I guess yeah. over the years episode 19 Mark Labusque um, Mark and I were brought together by a mutual friend and Jackie White, actually, who has been on the podcast. And I am so grateful. Mark is an incredible human. He is the human manager, uh, and that's what he goes as because he, you know, he 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 helps humans. I'm going to put it out there, especially in business, in the corporate world. He breaks it down, and and he has a really inspiring outlook on the corporate world and how it should look. And, and to embrace things like change and break down barriers and he's got podcasts, he's got books um, and you can see why or hear why when you listen to the full episode but here's a snippet from Mark Labusque. The term that I've coined for whatever it looks like is I think we should get away from calling stuff business as usual and yep. I like the term business unusual and, <laughs> and, 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 and my hope is for this stuff to stick because, you know, I'm going to also say something else here. Amongst all of the optimism and the positivity, there's a realism that, mate, we've worked under an old management system that's been in place for 100 years. So we're, so from the days when we used to stand in a production line, things in and do that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, the big issue is that that system has rewarded people for the last 100 years, even up to three weeks ago, four weeks ago. It was still rewarding people for behaving in a certain way. Yeah. Great challenge is that if it's business as usual, that behaviour will slowly, almost like, you know, it's it's just going to be a slow um, move back towards that that way of being. I'm even hearing some things already that tell me that some people are finding it really hard to lose that more robotic, technical way of managing people than than stepping into what you explained before, which which is our great opportunity. So. So we need to be conscious of that. And the other thing I'd say to that is um, we will put a lot of pressure on managers and leaders to be different. Mm. But I, I want to also say this is if your managers and your leaders give you the opportunity to be different, you better take that opportunity as well because this, yeah. is, a, this is a collective, mate. This isn't about um, if the manager says it's okay to be more human, I'm going to be more human. Yeah. Um, it's also about this. If, if I'm seeing the manager or my leader behave in a way that is not, it, it, once we get back into business unusual, it's not what we were doing when we were going through the turmoil. I'm going to be courageous and brave enough to call that out as well. So for this thing to work, um, it's a two-way street because at the end of the day, mate, strip titles out, strip hierarchy out mm. and all that crap. Um, if we take it back to what we're all human, we all want to connect. We all want to belong. Episode 20, Moza. The easiest name of the all the guests I've had so far this year. Um, Moza is a Perth-based comedian, and I first saw Moza online, which is where his main focus is now, on the online um, forums, YouTube, Instagram, all that sort of stuff. So he is another one of the voices you would have heard and when I say you would have heard um, Aussie Man Reviews is a pretty viral sort of channel that's out there in social media world Mozza features uh, a fair bit on that channel with, with Aussie Man commenting on some of the most hilarious videos you'll ever see 
And in fact, it's Aussie Man and Mozza that make them hilarious. But um, he's done so much more than that. We really break that down and chat about that through this whole full episode. Um, such a fun chat. Really appreciative of Mozza's time. Here's a snippet from Mozza. I find I've got to turn off. Uh, you know, if you, I don't know, if you do it, we all know the situations. If you're talking at a funeral, if you're uh, making a speech in front of parliament, if you're doing a corporate comedy gig or something, whatever yeah. the context is, and you're filtering so much, yeah. you know, um, and these days, even with our personal Facebook posts and whatever, we're all worried about cancel culture and all that sort of stuff. But I like, you know, the, the reason I like the Aussie man and Mozza dynamic is is I like the, I try to keep it as unfiltered as possible. And and ultimately, uh, I think what, hopefully what people find appealing in in me talking shit on on Instagram, on, on, on the, the Twitch stream, wherever it is, is that, they hear that I'm someone who takes a piss out of myself first. Yeah. So I hope even when I am saying something that's, you know, making fun of somebody else, it's hopefully never coming from some sort of moral high horse mm. place of mm. superiority. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and that's, I think ultimately that is the the gospel according to Mozza that we're all just idiots stumbling our way through life by guesswork. Yeah. And um, so, so let's just all <laughs> calm the hell down and, Exactly. And and what's been nice too is, you know, um, with the little vids I've been putting on Insta, for example, there's been a couple that have been a bit of real talk too. Yep, like there's yep. been a couple where I've touched on some actual stuff. I, yeah, I yeah. did one a uh, couple of days ago that, that, you know, was was talking about domestic violence basically, which is heavy stuff obviously. And I feel like people are actually, as well as the stuff that I do purely for shits and giggles, the stuff that's just fun. Yeah. Um, I actually think people don't mind a bit of universal human yep. or humanity, I guess, at the moment too, you know, mm, a bit of vulnerability, authenticity. And so that's uh, that sense of real talk right now, actually yep. having an open conversation and, and saying, oh yeah, I think that's, well, cause I think people are, are, we're all, well, those of us who are anyway social are a bit starved for connection right now. Absolutely. So, and so a really good conversation yep. uh, via whatever medium is, uh, you know, is a way of kind of satisfying that for each other. Episode 21, Nick Anderson, man, musician, man, this guy, this is, he is one of my favorite singers. And um, I know he, I've said that, I actually said that to him in the episode. I think he felt a bit, you know, um, maybe embarrassed by that. But man, if anyone ever gets the chance, please do yourself a favor and A, go and see a band called the Velvet Arches, which he is the singer of. Or B, just get on social media and check him out. Um, Nick Anderson's his name. Find him wherever you need to find him. Just find him and listen to him. We chat a lot about music in this episode, but we also talk about food and cooking. And as you'll hear in a second, we talk about how cooking got him out of a big slump. This is Nick Anderson. Yeah, it's something that I've always enjoyed doing. Like right back to when you had to do, I think like year nine, you do the, it's like a health health and human development subject for half of year nine, which involves like a bit of basic cooking. Yeah. Um, and from from that sort of time, I've always loved doing it. Yeah. hate washing the dishes and stuff, <laughs> so sometimes that stops me from doing it. Yeah. Um, but in the last sort of 12 months, 18 months, I've sort of started getting into it like extra, I suppose. Um, 
And then I mentioned before, uh, me and my girlfriend broke up uh, end of last year um, and I spent a good couple of months sitting on the couch feeling sorry for myself and didn't cook anything. And I'm just like, obviously, I know my girlfriend broke up with me, but why do I feel so shit? Mm. Um, And then one morning I was just really hungry and I got (laughs) off the couch and like made myself some breakfast or something. I can't even remember what I made. But I was like, oh, I feel really good now. Um, Maybe there's something in that. And so I just started cooking like, constantly yeah so like every every morning i'd wake up and just work out what i was cooking for breakfast and then like go to the shops work out what i was cooking for dinner and then like i'd try and cook something like a bit sort of extra i suppose so from like uh, slightly after lunch for the rest of the day i'd be prepping what i was doing for dinner i'm not for anyone usually i love having people around for dinner but often it's just for for me but just the actual i could cook a whole meal and chuck it away like so it's the it's the it's the actual i love eating obviously but uh, (laughs) (laughs) um and the creation but yeah actually actually cooking it i've yeah yeah, been a big fan of um and as i said before like as a musician you're only really working friday saturday sunday so I had Monday to Friday completely free, um, yeah. and the the big man uh, Dan Andrews put it up on the free TAFE list. So yep. this year I've actually started culinary oh, cool. school. Episode twenty two, Tim Varney. What can I say about Tim? What a great guy! Just a great guy. I met Tim only recently, and straight away I thought I really want to chat to him on my podcast because he's just a really cool guy. Um, he is. He's a coffee guru, and I mean that. He's travelled the world. He knows everything about coffee from where it comes from to where it ends up. He <laughs> Everything in between. Uh, this is a really great chat, really enjoyable chat. Um, a lot of coffee chat, some travel chat, and as you'll hear, he's really passionate about the whole os- hospitality scene. This is Tim Varney. Okay. Australia is very good at the cafe experience yep. and pretty good at coffee. Right. So yeah, coffee yeah. kind of has bolted itself onto the really good cafe experience that we've yeah. nailed yeah. because that's the very Australian thing. Yep. The the laser fair service. Yeah. The sort of matey chit chat. Um, that's that's that, lot. I, I feel like for a lot of Australians and uh, maybe even the majority, that's mm. probably more or as important as the coffee itself. Oh, without question. Yeah. 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 You, you're not going to to cafes chasing the, the best coffee. You, you're there for 10 other reasons. Yeah. And so co- coffee happens to have done quite well out of this, yep. this partnership or this arrangement. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when when you talk to someone who's sort of vaguely interested in coffee or, or wants to know more and, and they assume that Australia and Melbourne and Sydney have the best coffee in the world yeah. and you kind of correct them and say, well, yeah, we're pretty good at it, but there's pioneers in, in North America and they're like, American coffee? Uh, but they're the ones that have done so much more for coffee yeah. than, okay. than than Australia. Yeah, I mean, the actual roasting process itself is pretty straightforward. Uh, You've got to make the beans go brown from green. Yeah. <laughs> So I could do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, you can. Can roast you it. taste it if it go if it's not right? Oh, can, yeah. or, and can you get it wrong? Like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. So, could if you walked into it and got yourself a coffee and went, you'd yes. taste if things oh, weren't yeah, quite yeah. right. I mean, that's that's the skill to be yeah. a good roaster requires you to be able to taste. People will rise out of the ashes, yep. so to speak. I think, and it's definitely an opportunity to get super creative and. Yep. Um, definitely an opportunity to right the wrongs that were problems about the the industry prior to all of this. Um, 
the 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 issue is that people are sort of struggling to survive. I suppose. Yeah, yeah that's um, right. Yeah. Uh, so it's not exact. I mean, obviously, amazing things are created out of duress like that. I suppose what will be born from all of this is that restaurants will, uh, I would imagine, will function a little bit differently. So. Mm it should be an opportunity to sort of shake things up a little bit and yeah. and hopefully um, it's an opportunity for the general public to appreciate so much more what these yeah. venues mean to them. I hope um, so. Yeah. Okay, friends. Well, that's it. I really hope you've enjoyed this special episode celebrating the first birthday of the Humans podcast I hope there's something there that you can you can grab and then go and listen to the full episode and enjoy. Um, I've just had the best time recording um, this first chunk of podcast episodes with the Humans podcast. The the people I've had on, as you as you would have heard there, and hopefully you'll hear when you listen to the full episodes, are just amazing humans, and I'm really really grateful. Um, and that's what it's about having a chat. And understanding and discovering the fact that there are some incredible humans out there. There are lots of incredible humans out there. Have a chat, have a conversation and enjoy it. Break down the barriers. Uh, we need to do that more in society, you know. Understand, appreciate and, um, yeah, enjoy each other. I really hope you've enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for sticking around for this first 12 months. If you've just joined us, that's fine. You can go back and listen to those episodes, but you can also hang around because we've got a whole lot more coming up. I've got some really, really great people lined up for the next few episodes, and I cannot wait to sit down with those people and get these episodes recorded and then share them with you guys. Thank you so much for everyone who's subscribed to the podcast, everyone who's left a rating or a review, or shot me a message privately just saying that you listened to one of the episodes. That's good as well. That's great. I love it. I love it all. So thank you so much, um, and I hope you stick around. I'm Luke McCredden. This is the Humans Podcast. Happy birthday. <laughs>